There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes, welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the Home Loan Expert Studios. I am your host, Tim McKernan, alongside the great John Seymour, executive producer and videographer, Nick Yale here. We are thrilled to be able to bring you as we start off the month of February, where spring training will get underway, the Cardinal Manager, Mike Matheny, for a long-form conversation. And we were talking about this before we did the interview, and I could be wrong on this, so I want to make this clear, but I don't think, I'll, I'll put it this way, I'll, make, I'll ensure I will hedge. He hasn't done many of these since he's been the Cardinal manager. I think there's a chance that he has done damn near none of these since he's been Cardinal manager, and that's not a shot so much as just kind of an observation. Now, there's a chance that he has and I haven't heard it, and I know he is on KMOX regularly, and he'll do, you know, like 15, 20-minute sit-down interviews or on the phone. But I'm talking about a uh, long-form interview where, you know, it goes beyond what are we looking at in the outfield, how's things looking in the bullpen, those kinds of things. And so this is an interview that, um, for me... For this show, I have wanted to do more than any other. And um, I'm looking forward to you, the audience, getting a chance to hear it. And you will do so in a matter of moments. Uh, The Cardinal manager enters this season uh, on the hot seat. There's no no other way to to say it, but that's the case. Um, And so this is a unique time in Cardinal baseball. Uh, the fan base has a great deal of angst, and the manager uh, is certainly one of the targets. So what does Mike Matheny think of the state of the Cardinals going into the 2018 season? You will hear from him in great detail. Uh, we always welcome you to listen to any of our interviews on the Inside STL Podcast Network. We have had uh, some big names every Monday. We release them, and then we do questions from the audience or a topical conversation with a guest of interest uh, later on in the week. And then, of course, you have the Cat Chat with Jim Hayes and a new Cardinal interview, new baseball interview every Wednesday. So if you could, please subscribe to both the Tim McKernan Show on iTunes or wherever you may podcast and leave a positive review. That helps the business. And uh, subscribe to the Cat Chat on the Inside STL Podcast Network and leave a positive review. That helps the business as well. We love doing these things. We are able to do these things because of our studio sponsor, thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his great staff at thehomeloanexpert.com. The Home Loan Expert makes this process easier than anyone in town. I was talking with one of my friends who's a closer to a local title company, and I asked him about the Home Loan Expert, just because, hey, he's been the title sponsor of our show for so long, and I'm just curious what their 
thoughts are, and he tells me that the home loan expert loans are the only loans that go to the table without any problems. All too often, borrowers get to the closing table and the loan terms are not what they originally agreed upon. Can you imagine that? That should never happen. Give the home loan expert a call and let him get your loan closed the right way the first time. Go online. You can enter in the numbers right there at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and the homeloanexpert.com team making this podcast possible, the Tim McKernan Show. So without further ado, here is your chance to hear from the Cardinal manager as we go into 2018 season, Mike Matheny. What does a baseball manager do in the offseason? And I don't even know if there really is much of an offseason anymore, but what did you get the chance to do this offseason? Yeah, I mean, um, not not completely unplugged. Um, stay available, and as things come up, you know, Mo and I are talking and Gersh. Um, so just making sure they know where I am, but try and travel. We're yeah. catching up with kids, and now we got you know kids in college and um trying to just catch up to with my wife and so you know as the season ended we were really getting prepared we thought we'd and hoped that we'd be busy all the way until november um, but we had an early november wedding with my daughter so there was a lot put into getting that ready and um after that it was kind of making the family a priority and i think guys um you'll see a number of guys i think try and do that where everybody's yeah. Schedule and life has to revolve around ours for such you know nine months out of the year. How was that uh, father the bride? It was experience. fantastic. Yeah, and I was. It didn't like crush you emotionally. No, well, I was emotional. And, sure. And so, you know, I kind of told people when I stood up. You know, everyone was telling me, you know, it's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done. And I, I don't the know. The speech. I, I anticipate that's what they were saying, um, but th- they wouldn't elaborate on what's going to be so hard. Um, giving her away. You know, to me, the tragedy would be as if she was just going to live in our basement. For the rest of the life. And I love her, but that's not the way life's supposed to go. So um, found a great kid, and I was very, very happy for her. It was time. But, uh, yeah, the, the speech, I just said, if um, standing up here emotionless like I do in every postgame show, <laughs> if, if, that's, if that's success, then I've failed because, hey, this – it's supposed to be a very emotional day, and yeah. it was it was it was perfect. It really went well. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. So then you got a chance to travel with your wife as well. We did just the two of you. Yeah, yeah, and she uh, she loves the sunshine. So we um, I love being around. And what a fall we had in St. Louis. I Lucky can't with the I can't rem- remember a, yeah. a beautiful fall. Yeah. So and I'm an outdoorsman, so I love that time of year. So we were getting her a little sunshine down south, yeah. and we love uh, we spent a little more time in Jupiter. Uh-huh. Um, so we've been kind of back and forth, especially with most of the kids kind of being out doing their own thing yeah. so it's uh we uh the travel's typically kid related yeah when when it gets to this time of year are you like i can't wait to get down there is that how you feel like i feel that way but i just can't wait to get out of the weather you have a yeah. job to do i just got to do my my little nitwit show yeah. you know <laughs> well i was there the last two weeks i've been down there so oh, I really? just came back for a few events here in town but yeah you weren't no, partaking I, in the fantasy camp were you no no but uh one's the weather and, and you know jupiter's such a nice area and I, I continue to tell fans if you haven't experienced spring training you need to yeah. i mean it's just um i think everybody puts their guard down a little bit um it's, it's a more 
intimate feel. Um, they get to relate with the players a little bit better. You get out of this weather because you know, it was good timing this year, right after Christmas. It was time to get out of here. Yeah, and those yeah. single digits, this, that was pretty rough. That was so rough. That was people rough are looking fresh. forward to that weather. But uh, just getting down there and, and start kind of seeing guys down at the stadium, guys starting to get some work in and just kind of getting plugged back into the baseball scene, I think, is um, – healthy for me what it was it like because really i felt like and i don't even know i mean you and i are sitting here talking on january 31st and like half the free agent class is still out there which is so unique yeah but i felt like the offseason wasn't going to get going until john carlos stanton i guess decided where he wanted to go and or a, a dance partner for the marlins what was that process like for you as the manager of the cardinals I was excited, first of all, um, just to see the excitement around Cardinal Nation as uh, Mr. DeWitt and Moe and Gersh put their best foot forward. And you know, a lot of times you'll have you know, different organizations that will talk about, hey, we're going we're gonna to be active and we're going to go out there and try and bring in um, you know, high-level talent in certain areas. And, and they put their money where their mouth was and put you know, some good offers out there to make this happen and realized it was going to be a big investment. And it just didn't, didn't end up working out, as everybody knows. But um, the fact that you see an organization like the Cardinals um, get into the game, and and realized that uh, the fans were excited about bringing in something to help us get better, mm-hmm. which we ended up doing, um, but just wasn't in the person of Stanton. Were you ever in talks with Giancarlo? Were you ever in meetings? How did that whole thing play out from your involvement standpoint? No, at, at, usually I would be. Uh-huh. Um, it's kind of what up up to the player yeah. and um, yeah, he was kind of at an arm's length and it makes sense now I think right. he kind of had an idea of what he was going to do all along so yeah I was planning on jumping that plane and heading over with the rest of our group and uh, yeah, he wanted to keep it in smaller groups and um, like I said he kind of had his idea I think ahead of time yeah I guess it was more of a city thing I guess than a team thing you yeah know, i don't know the top four markets and they're of course they all happen to be the teams that were in the lcs but i could never figure out what was if he was really 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 ever interested in coming to st louis or really really interested in san francisco both places you know well yeah and i was hoping to have that conversation and uh, just never got to that point and i think you know as you hear more about it now there were teams that he had lined up that we weren't a part of that sure. group and so you know you can't fault the marlins for trying to make something happen with a team that has some assets that they were interested in which sure. was which was us but um yeah I, I don't really know i never had those those um conversations with john carlo uh you know been around him enough to have a great deal of respect for the kind of player he is and how he's handled himself and um this guy we'd like to have had but once again extremely happy where we are and and the fact that we were able to get azuna done i can't imagine you ever listen to our radio show i can't imagine you look at the smirk <laughs> <laughs> That's a good read. <laughs> I don't listen uh, to any to any radio shows. Um, I believe you when you say that. So, like Tony used to say, no, I mean, Patini had the car and it just happened to be on. And I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, it was Joe Patini really locked in on our show. But I believe you when you say, now Bill DeWitt Third says he does listen. But I truly can't imagine you going, oh, great, I'm in the car at the time of the morning after. Let me tune it in. There's no way that would happen. And, and you know, I think it's, it's part of it was just the advice that I was given. Um, <laughs> Not about our show specifically we're talking about in general well, well you can say that if you want. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit this out <laughs> no 100 um 
so I, I talked to, to Joe Torrey, and um, you know, I just asked him, especially with him being in New York. And was I, early on, I was just trying to kind of keep my ear to the ground and what's going on and give me the pulse it's of like the club. It's like when you first started out. I did. Oh. Uh, I wasn't necessarily listening to, to the talk radio shows, but I was I was trying to gather as much information I could of what the, the, the pulse was of Cardinal Nation, too. And, you know, when you open that up, you, then you're talking about social media, and it, it can get overwhelming to how much stuff's out there. And, uh, and it's and, rough. And that was actually one of the another manager had given me that advice is keep your ear to the ground on everything. Um, you know, and I, I think a lot of people in leadership take that that route. And mm-hmm. I think that's that works. But uh, Joe's philosophy really uh, hit home with me because I found myself just exhausted from trying to track down where did this come from and is there any validity to it and how much traction does it have and is there a real issue here and what do we need to do about that and most of it was chasing the wind and mm-hmm. um, so I needed to focus more on my guys and in our clubhouse and get the pulse in there instead of the stuff on the outside and you know Joe's suggestion was listen you know make sure you you have somebody keeping an, an ear to the ground, but it, you don't have the energy or the time to do it to yourself. Do it. And so uh, that was a relief to me because I don't think I could have kept up without going to prison uh, <laughs> if, if I would have continued to follow it all myself. <laughs> when, did, when did you have that conversation? Like, was this like in year one or was it, it was after in, a couple in years? in year one. That's good. Yeah. That's and actually good in, early. in spring training of year wow. one. So still. Did you ask him or did he say, hey, Mike, I know this is your first year, so hey, here's a little. Yeah, Joe reached out to me early. Wow. Yeah, I was really impressed and continued to be. Um, what a, a, a gentleman and a pro. Yeah. But I always had a great deal of respect for him and how he went his, about his business. Uh, as a manager and just listening to, to other people who've played for him. Um, so I had, and we didn't have that much of a, of a connection. You know, we, I was supposed to play for him, um, in the first classic game and I oh, yeah. uh, actually turned him down. That's real smart. I was like the last guy on the team, but it was my, it was my first year with the giants uh-huh. and I didn't really know that 05? staff yet. This was Oh five. Yeah. And, but I would have been able to catch, you know, they had Clemens and I think Randy might even still been pitching then. Um, and Maddox and I'd have been an idiot not to take that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, we got close to it and I realized I, I needed to get ready for my season and uh-huh. I didn't know half the pitching staff with the giants. And so I turned that down but uh, anyway joe was the manager at that particular time and and so we kind of kind of hit it off then for the first time but he uh he went out of his way when i got the job to say listen here's my number you contact me you ask me any question and um don't throw that to him if you don't mean it and and he did and to this day i mean i had a text from him just a couple days ago where he'll just keep in touch and what are you thinking what do you got do you need anything and it just tells a lot about him yeah boy that says a lot i mean you always get that vibe that he's that kind of guy but then you hear a story like that yeah that's the kind of person he is well the reason i asked not not to promote the morning after, but I'm curious if you sense what I sense, and I've talked to Mo, he did an interview on here in, in Build with the Third, that I feel like for the first time since like the year before you arrived in 2000 uh, as a player, I feel like there's like angst in a healthy percentage of the fan base. And I don't necessarily think it's at this moment directed towards like the people on the field, the roster so much as I feel like a wing of the fan base. I don't think this is the entire fan. A wing of the fan base thought the team was going to do make major moves, I guess, and didn't feel like it was done. And so they're like, well, here we go again. And so the narrative that's been popping up, and that's why I ask about the show, because we talk about this a good amount on the show. And I've kind of become, which is a rare spot, to be like the apologist. But I'm like, you can't tell me the organ because the theme is they're cheap. 
you know, for, again, from a wing of the fan base. You can't tell me they're cheap if you go out and you sign Dexter Fowler to what you signed Dexter Fowler to, Brett Cecil, and you're sitting down with one of the biggest contracts in, in all of professional sports, and John Carlos Stanton. It doesn't add up. If you want to be critical of this or that, that's fine, but cheap is not fair. But that's where a part of the fan base is. And I don't recall from doing television and radio in St. Louis what I sense is angst or frustration like I have going into this year. And I'm curious if you sense that yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm a... I'm a fan of the game, um, and all the people that I hang with are fans. Uh-huh. Uh, before I ever got here and long after I leave, they'll be Cardinal fans. And so I hear these conversations everywhere I go every day when, when I'm in St. Louis and don't really escape them when we're in Jupiter because there's a lot of sure. Cardinal fans there as well. So uh, I, I hear it from time to time, uh, but I think every every organization, every fan base wants to see their team do ridiculously aggressive things in every off season and here's a place where we can get better and you know this is the very best option let's go spend the money to make it happen and you know going back to the question you asked earlier and and you and you touched on it as we we were in the mix on one of those outrageous unbelievable style contracts and uh, we were right in the middle of it and you saw the year before with price making a strong effort and going right to the last you know, one of the last final choices. And I think the dollars were all very comparable there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Hayward, Hayward, I mean, you go back to back to back of years of going after some of the highest paid guys in the game. Um, that's making a, a strong statement about the health of the organization and, and kind of where they see the status of it is and, and where it should be going. So I, I see us making those moves, but I understand also, I think people were looking um, I think they were wanting two Marcelo Zunas, right? They were hoping for another big bat. And there were some conversations to try and make things happen. You know, I have a greater appreciation today than seven years ago of, of some of um, the, the way the decisions are made. And to understand yeah. that this is more than just right now and just this year. And uh, what what can we do to help this team not just be better this year, but, but all the way down the line? That's the thing that the uh, organization uh, hello <laughs> treats have been brought in um, when I talked with this with Bill he used the term sustained competitiveness yeah and I, I can't imagine and maybe there's a stat that would say the Red Sox have more wins I don't I can't imagine there's an organization since 2000 the year you arrived as a player that has had a better winning percentage than the Cardinals so you can look at the Cubs or Astros and kind of going okay we're going to you know temper it for a couple of years and then go all in for a couple of years yeah. or you know be in the mix every year and yes I'm sure 16 and 17 were disappointing for you and fans as well but both years the team was in the mix and that's on the heels of going to the postseason for what five straight years so I just feel like I don't I understand it and I'm a fan and I host a talk show but I feel like we've kind of taken our eye off the ball on reality and it's created somewhat of a divide amongst fans and narratives that aren't necessarily representative of the truth. That's how I feel as a guy hosting a show. How do you feel as the guy who's, you know, leading the charge? Um, it, it, you know, it's pretty easy for me because uh, my expectations are probably above what everybody else's are. Um, what what I want to see happen, I feel, um, is is what we have to make happen every year, and it, it, we know as as you put on the St. Louis Cardinals uniform, there's going to be high expectations. So I don't think we should be that surprised. Um, I'm not 
hearing it as often as you are to hear exactly what the tone is. Um, but I do understand you go a couple seasons in this city without being in, in October baseball and, you know, we shouldn't be happy. And there, there's never been a day that we have been happy about it. Um, so how do we get better? Right. That's, that's what we're responsible with. And as you look at what we were able to do this off season, we got better. And that's that's plain and simple. So now, what are we going to do with it, and how much better can we be? And and part of that is making the, the whole greater than the sum of all the parts. And I think that's something that this organization takes a lot of pride in doing. And I think also take a lot of pride uh, in in making wise decisions for for the long haul. So you, you're not talking about those years where you're just selling off the farm and that sustained competitiveness. I, you know, I'm always trying to push with our guys. You know, this is culture of the St. Louis Cardinals sustained excellence and so we got to do our part yeah we need we need to have the front office do theirs and i believe that they're doing theirs and so now it comes down to we 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 have an opportunity to be better than we were a year ago and how much better can we be which that's internal improvement with the guys that we have taking some of these kids maybe some ones in the the minor leagues we haven't heard that much of that Mm -hmm. like a paul de young that we're going to need to have step up like paulie did last year uh we're going to have to have some of the guys that we brought in you know brett cecil is going to be a better pitcher than he was a year ago we're going to have to have a healthy Dex. Um, just right down the line, there's just so many things that we believe that that as you match up and we begin this season, you got to like where we are compared to where we were even a year ago. I, I think we're a better club, and part of that is bringing in the Ozunas, um, bringing in Miklas, um, Michaels. Uh, it's just guys that we think. Uh, makes sense but also keeping that one eye on the future to not make decisions to go out and just write checks to bring guys in here to appease because that's sometimes what you'd be doing and and i mentioned it earlier i started going down that road of, of having a great appreciation to to our analytics group and how we evaluate players and how we have a value to put on each guy. And is that worth sacrificing some of this talent down the road that can be impact players for a number of years and be cost-controlled to the point where we can stay stay competitive for a long time? It's it's a balance. And I, I think the organization is always pushing the throttle to be a little more aggressive. Mr. DeWitt has done that since the day he's got here and uh, the whole ownership group. But there is a, a responsibility of not just going out and spending the money to spend it to make everybody happy. That doesn't necessarily turn into it. We've seen plenty of disasters just like that where people do. They, they get rid of all their young talent to bring in a few young, a few more experienced guys that might be on the decline. Uh, and then you're going to look at multiple years of downturn that the St. Louis Cardinal fans would never would never stand for, and most, most baseball fans don't. Yeah, that wealth of prospects is what allowed the Cardinals to be in the mix for Stanton, but also what wound up being Marcel Ozuna. You've been able to watch him play from the other dugout. What was your view on Ozuna going into the actual culmination of a deal getting done? Well, last year was just one of those special years, and so you're hoping he's going to be able to continue to move forward. But what great feedback we're getting from people within the Marlins organization, people that know him personally, the kind of player he is, um, the kind of not just talent, um, but but the entire package, how he's improved the fact you know, winning a gold glove um, and then what he was able to do in a tough situation with, with Stanton in that lineup to be the guy that's going to have to give him some backup and then to produce. You know, not everybody's ready for that situation. Not, not everybody's ready for that role, um, which we needed that middle-of-the-order presence and uh, excited to have him pitching against him. Uh, as We would do our scouting, uh, and I'd watch film. I think he's one of the better better hitters on really good pitches. Uh, you're going to see a Stanton. He, you make a mistake to a Stanton, and he's 
he literally might hurt somebody, <laughs> and it might be somebody sitting in center field in the stands. Um, Azuna's taking really good pitches and getting good good wood on good pitches, and uh, that's a rarity. And mm-hmm. he's he's able to drive the ball to all fields. Um, but I just there's just a, an excitement and there's an energy to him too that to me is just a, an outside one of those pluses that I think is going to help make our club better. He's he's a glue kind of player, um, is what I'm hearing from some of his teammates and even staff that uh, this is a guy that that the players rally around. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he shows up every day to work, he loves what he does. Um, I can't imagine putting him in this environment, how he's going to thrive. So uh, it's it's a great atmosphere for him to, to jump into and uh, just can't wait to see what kind of difference he makes for us. I think when people look at the lineup, they go, God, if this all works out, this could be a great lineup. But you're expecting a guy who I think in many fans' minds kind of came out of nowhere and did young to do what he did, Tommy Pham to do what he did, Dexter to be healthy, do a little bit better than what he did, but the numbers were still good. And then Matt Carpenter to return to form. Uh, and then Yachty, Colton Wong, and uh, Jed Jerko at third base. It looks like it could be a great lineup, but then you feel like you're kind of counting on something that guys hadn't done historically throughout their careers that Ozuna, Pham, and uh, who am I missing that out? DeYoung hadn't, hadn't done up until 2017. What would your response be to that? Fear, I suppose, that might be amongst some fans. Yeah, you you know my answer already, Tim. I mean, I'm always not glass half full. I mean, it's full, and um, and that gets back to your question too about um, you know where do you put in that other piece? I mean, you start talking about that. That's a good lineup. I mean, it'd be interesting to see when people start putting these together. Who's going to bat down? towards the end of that because you, you've got a number of guys that could fit anywhere yeah. in the middle of that order. Um, I've had fun toying around with it quite a bit. Yeah, why don't we toy around with it now? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead and speculate all you like. Um, but with that being said, um, we've got some really nice pieces in place. And to me, um, Paul DeYoung, it, it's going to be more challenging for him, but it's going to be more challenging for the league because he knows them as well. Um, he made great adjustments along the way. What did we see that we think is going to help him is the fact that how tough he is mentally and how well he stays with his game plan come success or failure and how well he handled some of those at-bats. I think we saw that game-to-game where he'd strike out maybe two or three times, and that, that fourth at-bat, it was a game-changer. Yeah. And how he, he didn't abandon ship on what he'd been successful at in the past. That, that's a sign of maturity beyond his years. I mean, there's a baseball IQ. Um, there's an EQ. The guy gets the game. He's a student of the game. A lot of things like we talked about with Stephen Piscotti. Yeah. Um, very similar as when you have an intellectual player. But he's, uh, he's also got a, a toughness to him that, um, that that's going to be fun to watch develop. But as you look across the rest of the field, um, to me, Colton Wong hasn't, hasn't shown as good as he's going to be. I, I think that he should be an all-star caliber second baseman every year. I really do. And I'm anxious to watch him take those steps forward. I, he's been down. I just saw him when we were down in Jupiter. He's mm-hmm. been down there working, he and Polly together with uh, Okendo and Oliver Marmol and uh, doing all the right things right now. So uh, I I just see different places. I, I see Carp trying to get him where we do put him in the lineup and to where he's got more pieces around him where he doesn't necessarily feel that he's carrying more weight than he needs to. Um, getting Dex locked into a certain spot and once again healthy for an entire 
season. Um, and, and, you know, I think that third base with uh, Jerko, it's, it's going to be a little bit of, you know, trying to figure out how much we can play him. I've tried um, just firing him in there, uh, mostly because there's times where he was our best at bat. And it's mm-hmm. hard taking your best at bat out of the lineup. Um, but we think we've seen over a, enough of a sample size now to understand that, you know, he's going to need days from time to time. And I think a number of our guys do. And we have versatility when you start talking about the guy who had cleaned up for us last year and Jose Martinez as we finished up the season. That was one of the guys we wanted to see at the plate at the Absolutely. end of the year. So we're going to be able to get him some at-bats and Carp's going to have to be a little flexible and we're going to have to you know, take advantage of even guys like a Greg Garcia to give the other players spell every once in a while. Um, but, but overall, uh, the pieces are there with the, the ability to get on base. Uh, we've got some guys that can run the base as well. Uh, we've got guys that can drive balls in and, and hit the ball over the fence. So uh, it's going to be um, a matter of answering those questions for those guys every single day. Uh, people are always going to doubt what you did yesterday is something that you're going to be able to replicate today. Um, I think that's a great challenge for a Tommy fam. He'd love for someone to tell him he can't do something. Oh, man, does right? he ever. And so I think that goes right down the line with the, the makeup of the majority of our guys. Do you like having a guy I, I, I don't know, because I've obviously managed a business, and if I had a guy, I'm like, I love him, he produces, but I have no idea what he's going to say in the media, or the cat's doing his post game, and all of a sudden he starts getting fired up, and it's great entertainment, yeah. but what's it like for the managers, like, oh my God, what did he just uh, say? Teaching opportunity, you yeah. know, um, and, and you know, you get thrown into that limelight um, when you do bring some emotion. I mean, there's so many deadpans like me, right? I mean, and, and mostly it's not lack, I'll say, I believe it's not lack of personality as much as um, just making sure what we're saying is very, very relevant for the moment and it's not going to hurt anybody as we go forward. I mean, that's always on my mind first and foremost. Um, but when you start to let emotions um, take over, you're going to open up some doors, yes, for some exciting stuff for everybody to hear. And I think people love, people do love, that. love seeing that side and and I'd get that. I would, too. I mean, um, but I also understand that, you know, there, there are major ramifications for us going the wrong direction on some of the things that we say. And so just keeping guys on track, not necessarily trying to spoon feed them what they can and can't say. Uh, we want them to be themselves, but be very careful. Right. Um, and, and when you're riding those highs, make, make sure, you know, as we talk about this game, the staying, staying steady and in the middle. Um, there's an art to that as it comes to how we communicate also is just making sure that we're we're promoting the team, making sure we're promoting our teammates, make sure we're promoting promoting this this game as a whole, uh, not necessarily ourselves, and making sure also we're thinking about you know what what could happen with what I'm saying right now. Uh, is there potential for for me to hurt what we're trying to do collectively? Um, and yeah, there's going to be frustrations. There's going to be times, you know, I still fall under the the old saying, you know, we're going to we're going to correct in private and we're going to praise in public. And when guys have problems with guys and there's issues that come up, that's stuff that we got to do inside the family. Stuff you got to really tackle. Um, not to take your voice from you, but be very careful, knowing that uh, this is a hard game and that stuff kind of comes back to you. And sometimes you're just going to create more maybe of a distraction for yeah. yourself than you even thought you were going to. I, the, the, what happened with Yadier Molina was along those lines last year where you said something that I think is first, I don't calculating because it sounds like you're like Don Corleone, but you think before you speak, as you just said, didn't think you had said anything that was you know, a cr- criticism. If you were going to criticize him, as you said, you would do it privately, and he took it in one respect. But the thing that I thought was odd was that he hadn't talked to you 
before airing the grievance on Instagram and, and airing it to the media. And I just I thought that was a that was surprising to me. What was your reaction to a situation like that? When people are like, this is Mike Matheny, the manager, and this is kind of the one of the faces of the franchise and Yadier Molina. No, he's a, absolutely a face, not just for the franchise, but I think in the game. And um, and he's done everything to deserve that. And, you know, there's just – you have all kinds of things going inside your own families, right, where you're, you're communicating. And, you know, that's part of the, the danger is how accessible everything is social media-wise. And it can be something that you hear when we're not together and you respond to quickly. I, I, I'm real careful, you know, whenever I do send anything out on social media that it's it's checked, right? I've got safeguards to make sure. Let's make sure the timing of this is right. Let's make sure the message is right. And, and I think, you know, it, it's an instant world that we have right now. And so, guys, they feel something they respond to it and that's the culture we're in and so i think a lot of times those things happen and then afterwards like you know what that probably wasn't um and i'm not saying in this particular case that's the situation but it it is a danger and so we talk a lot in spring training about social media and how how can we handle it in a way that once again gets back to what's what's the motive is the motive we're going to promote the team and are we going to but there are times two guys want to defend themselves right when they feel like i have this fan base that you know supports and believes in me um but i need i need to have my voice heard and you know that's that's always going to be your freedom in the country that we live in and uh what we need to do then is we need to step back talk it out like like grown men and figure out what's What's the real issue here, and how can we move forward and, and create something positive from it? A guy who is a wizard on social media is Adam Wainwright. He's a, he's, he manages it, but he's also entertaining, and he's always a great interview. And uh, John Mazelak was on with Frank Cusimano, I guess, last week, and he was saying if there's a guy who is such a key, it's Adam Wainwright, because if he goes, we go. I think a lot of people are going, it was great. It was awesome. He got the final out in 2006. He's been Cy Young mix. You know, I mean, what else can you ask for? But kind of going, nah, he's on his way, you know, into the sunset. And I, I just have no doubt what your answer is going to be anyway, but I'm going to ask the question that I just, that guy's going to be like going absolutely crazy to try and show people I'm not finished. Never, ever count this guy out. And so I don't know what it's going to look like, um, but a, a motivated Adam Wainwright um, is capable of doing just about anything. So can't wait to watch him compete in spring. Yeah. As far as the bullpen, people go, Luke Gregerson, I ah, kind of lost the job in Houston, and he's now, I guess, maybe I'm assuming something that's not right, the guy in the ninth inning. Do you view at this point Luke Gregerson is, is the closer? No, I understand um, you know, how Moe's responded with this. And you know, it's going in the direction more of we, we have one guy who's really had some experience there. And that's, there's a lot to be said about that particular position of getting those last three outs in a game and to have somebody who'd been there done that is is a good place to start and so that would certainly give give him an edge um but i truly believe in the healthy competition of spring training and whether it's guys competing for uh, their spot in the in the rotation or whether it's competing for a spot on our roster altogether um but also going in and just competing in general um, and, and then trusting the fact that we're going to put you in the right place. Um, to have a guy who's closed games to me is, is a very, 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 very valuable asset. Um, but we have some other kids that are on the way. We've got some young arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we reposition maybe guys that were starters that could 
potentially come in and close games. You mentioned Adam Wainwright. He had not been in the bullpen. Um, ended up closing out the World Series. I mean, those those sort of things internally are always options. And then always keeping our eyes open on what's going on out there. I know Mo and Gersh are still um, just keeping their ear to the ground. As you said, this is a market that's been very slow moving. You never know what might be available. But in the meanwhile, um, you know, as you start looking at some of those arms that we have down there, some guys who have, I mean, we had Tyler Lyons closing some games out or being able to pitch at the end of any game against any lefty and ended up being against the righties as well because his swing miss rate was so high. Uh, you, you put a Brett Cecil who, once again, uh, the Cardinal fans haven't seen Brett Cecil yet. And so I'm, I'm anxious to get him into a good role. Do you think he just wasn't healthy last I, year? I just think it was off to a rough start and it snowballed. Yeah. I, I truly do. And uh, this is a, a hard game when, when your confidence is high and it's exponentially harder when uh, when you're fractured right from the start. And then I think he you know, there's health things that go in, but with most people they do. But he is uh, we, we saw enough of, of what and we've heard from everybody, especially in the American League East, about how much of a presence this guy is. He's going to be good for us this year. And, and then you mix in some of these other young arms. I mean, Sam Tuivalala has, has proven a number of times now through the minor league system that he could be a guy that could pitch significant innings on the back end. Uh, you start talking about you know whatever we do with Alex, which I'm sure you're going to ask at some point, um, exciting young talent that we got to figure out what's going to be best, not just for us, but for him in the long haul. Um, a whole bunch of different pieces that could go into this and a couple new young arms that we got via trade Mm -hmm. Um, plus all these other young kids that are still probably a a couple steps away but big arms Mm -hmm. i mean the kind of arms that are closing games for uh for for very good teams so there's uh it's going to be fun to watch but having the experience of a luke gregerson is something's very valuable alex race is where i was going i was curious you know at one point we're thinking okay maybe when he comes back to limit the stress on his arm if that does limit his stress on the arm if you are pitching back-to-back days but to potentially be in the mix for the ninth inning where do you view it is he rotation ninth inning i think first it's going to come to the medical team um Give, give us Alex's best chance of success, and and then we have to weigh how he's going to help our team the best. And I think it's got a, there's a couple of options there. Obviously, um, I'm not sure starting in April is one of those options. So it'd be something that would be pushed back a little bit if he was going to start um, to where we give him a little time in the minor leagues. That would be an option, or else is he a guy that's going to be able to come in and and then it would be once again you're going to have a, a similar issue to where his workload is going to be very monitored to. We know that he's not going to be able to throw a certain amount of days in a row, um, regardless if we've got a small lead or not. And so uh, it it will be um, closely tracked no matter which route we go. I, I saw Alex down in Jupiter too, and I was really impressed. He lean. He looks great. Yeah, he looks great. And I—that's a huge testament, not just to our medical staff, um, obviously Alex, but you know we um, were pretty intentional about having Zach Duke um, spend a lot of time with Alex. So we could have, and what we normally do is, you know, you'd spend that full season down in Jupiter and hands on every day. You got the good weather, mm-hmm. um, but we thought it was real valuable, and I, you know, I applaud the medical team for this. Um, of having him follow Zach around because Zach just went through the similar process and to kind of have his feet in the door every day where we had our, our, our training staff with their hands on him but also just feeling a part of our club 
And so he felt like he was part of our team, you know, a part that didn't get to do as he, much mm-hmm. as he wanted to. But that, that whole rehab process improved significantly. Uh, and I think Zach has a, a lot to do with that by helping Alex know how far he should push, what, what he should be feeling. Um, and, and, you know, Zach came back so quick and did a great job for us. Yeah. Um, but Alex did everything that he needed to to, to not just get his, his elbow right, but I saw full body change and the way that he worked, the way he um, – with his diet – um, you just saw mature. Uh, you saw mature over this uh, last year. Well, how do you feel about the rotation looking at it right now? Because it looks like, you know, Alex Reyes, of course, is, a, is, a, is an X factor. How do you view what you, you know you have going into spring training? I don't think anybody in the league wants to face Carlos. Um, and, and um, you know, we've, we've covered Wayno, uh, So it's going to be interesting to see what he shows up looking like and um, what kind of year he's going to be able to, to withstand and what, what he's going to – what his stuff just shows up like. And that's the one that's really an uncertainty. I know he feels so excited right now. He's talked to me a number of times about where he is and uh, the kind of year he's going to have. And as I said before, don't count this guy out. So he's going to come in and, and show us what he has. I think Luke Weaver took all the doubt away last year with how he did compete. And Jack Flaherty did a nice job coming in, so he's going to have to compete. Uh, Miles is uh, one of those guys that we've just seen on video. It's going to be good to get our eyes on him firsthand. And um, a healthy Michael Walker is a guy that can fit at the top of any rotation. So I think you have a number of guys with the kind of stuff that uh, the rest of the league is going to have great respect for. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with the Cardinal manager, Mike Matheny. If you enjoy these podcasts on the Tim McKernan Show, please make sure that you support the sponsors. They are the ones who make the show possible, and your support of them keep them on board. So, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, and his agency in Webster Groves, that's the place you need to go. Ask yourself a question. What's my insurance company doing for me? Then go check them out on Google and Facebook and see what they're doing for others in your community. If you're in front of your computer while you're listening to the show, go to carltoninsurance.net right now and just get a quote to see what they can do for you. The good news is you probably already have the product that James offers. The bad news is if you're not with James, you're without question sacrificing surface and likely paying too much. It's James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agency, right in Webster Groves. Give them a call. You will see the difference. 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. I'm curious what you thought about what Randall Gritchick had to say on a sports talk station in, in Toronto. Uh, paraphrasing, you know, some, there were some days where we felt like we had to have a couple hits and get on base two or three times or else we weren't going to be in the lineup and that wasn't good for anybody. What was your reaction when you, when you saw that? Yeah, that's, that's the game we play. Um, this is this is a production game, and um, unfortunately, as a as a young player, and you look at the talent that we had. I mean, there there at the beginning, I mean, he was competing with Tommy to get some of those repetitions. Um, Tommy kept producing, which produces more opportunities to get back in there. And um, yeah, I think anybody, right? I think you would love to show up and say, well, regardless if I'm good or bad or what I do today, I'm going to have just as much of a chance to keep doing it for as long as I want to. That's not real. The reality is we have to go compete and we have to fight every single day and we have to earn. And I think there's as much uh, self-satisfaction as uh, when you you get it that way instead of just, and I don't think Randall was asking for us to just 
say, okay, uh, it's yours no matter what. Now, we've had times we had to do that. If you look at the end of the, the uh, 16 season where we basically we didn't have, have other options. And I said, Randall, this is yours. And you go run with it. And he did a great job. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of one of those, those – um, one of those times where you think, you know, maybe this is what this kid needs and try to put him in a position last year to do the exact same thing. But you have other guys that are also asking for the same opportunity. Yeah. So it comes down to, once again, um, we're not going to go out and promise anybody anything. Uh, we got to go earn it. I have to earn it. You have to earn it. And so do these players. Give them good opportunity, create an atmosphere uh, that's fair. And that's, and that's what I'll ask them. And that's what I've asked Randall many times, too. Do we treat you fair? And if the, if the answer is no, then all right, teach me on how I can do that differently. Um, but giving you opportunities, and whether it's it's just not trending well, or else somebody else is taking better advantage of his opportunity, um, and that's competition of life, yeah. and uh, it's something that just everybody has to wade through. I think if if people would have said this year, this time last year, Mike, that Randall Grichick and Stephen Piscotty won't be in camp with the Cardinals in February of 2018, people are going, "Wow, I wonder what happened." Stephen Piscotty's situation, an outlier, a tragic outlier how much of what he is experiencing personally with his mother and als was a factor in in all that has transpired over the last with what the organization you know accommodated no i i don't um nobody knows how much um with with how anybody handles any situation that comes up like that um obviously we had to make room in the outfield i mean you bring in an ozuna and you have a healthy fowler and tommy ends up being our most valuable player last year, um, how how do you then rationalize having two other players like a Steven and a Gritch um, who could be playing someplace else? And so that, I think, didn't surprise anybody. I think, um, you know, this, a year ago, people didn't anticipate where we would be with Tommy right. and then with Ozuna. So that that's the easy answer to that. Um, I do... Um, Applaud um, Mo in our front office of, of, of being real and and, and also the, the human side too. When seeing that okay, there's a team out on the West Coast that has interest here, and that that could actually bode well and, and work well for Stephen and his his uh, family situation. Um, but it comes down to baseball business decision, and uh, there's a lot that goes into these decisions and trying to make sure that it, it makes sense for us in the long run. But I think always trying to think of uh, the player, too, as a, as a person and uh, how can we help them in, in any way. And you know, I think this could be a real good fit for Stephen. You uh, mentioned how you got to do it or else you don't have the job. How do you feel personally going in Seventh season, you know, four postseasons, one pennant, 100-win season, not having a losing season. How do you feel going into 2018 regarding your position as the manager? I'm I'm the manager. Uh, that's my job, and uh, I'll go in and do it for as long as I'm allowed to do it. I mean, that I don't spend a lot of time um, in the hypothetical um you know, if if this happens, then that X and Y. Um, I go out and do my job, and I realize that uh, you know very fortunate to be where I am. I love the job that I do, and I love the place that I do it, and I'm going to continue to show up like that every day. I think if if anybody, whether it's our players, and I, I've encouraged many of our young guys, is you know because I. I, I I had a, a disservice to myself early in my career because uh, I wasn't supposed to be there when I got to the big leagues. And so I spent my whole first time in the big leagues when I was in Milwaukee looking over my shoulder, mm. wondering when it was going to end and kind of putting together all the, the, the scenarios. Well, if this guy gets healthy, then they're going to have to drive yourself that. crazy. But you just don't. 
first, I don't believe it's a distraction, right? So we're always trying to limit distractions. It's a distraction that keeps you from being focused on what you need to do because it's hard enough with full focus to do what we need to do. Um, and, and, it's, and it's really a waste of time. So, um, hey, I'm human, and uh, I hear noise like everybody else hears noise. Um, and I do my best uh, to not become distracted by it and to stay the course, in fact, of uh, I want to do my job the best that I can. You know, I, I've got um, fortunate a perspective, too, that I'm going to be here just as long as I'm supposed to be here and um, not a not a day, not a moment longer. And um, in the meanwhile, I, I, I have a responsibility of how I'm supposed to go about my business, of how I'm supposed to represent uh, this organization, represent myself, represent my family, and represent my faith, too. And so uh, I'm not going to back off on that because of uh, whatever noise is there. You can't stick your head in the sand, right? right? Um, but I knew that the day coming in. It hasn't been any different. Um, and in my mind, once again, uh, I just uh, grateful uh, for every day that I have in this jersey, and I want to continue to enjoy it as best I can. Yeah, I, the thing that's odd to me, and again, I almost—I know I'm going to because I know people are listening. They want like, oh, well, I want the, I want you to go after Mike Matheny. Is that there's like this anger wing of the fan base, and I don't know where it's really come from. I know it's there though, and it's it's fine. You exist in it, but. I have to say, it's kind of like when you say the DeWitts are cheap. I'm like, well, they were sitting down with Stanton. I mean, how how can you how can you rationalize that unless you just think it was just a total bluff? And regarding the manager, Mike Matheny, NLCS year one, one went away from the World Series. I'm sure the fact that you didn't get the final one still bothers you six years later. A pennant in 2013, NLCS again 14, 100 win season in 15, and in the mix in 16 and 17. And yet, the, like you've become in the discussion, a polarizing figure for the fan base. And it strikes me as an odd thing. And I'm not saying this just because we're sitting here. I say it on the radio. I said it to Mo when we did the interview. We weren't even recording it. I said, I don't get it. I said, if you guys parted ways with Matheny, he'd have a job like that, you know? And and so I, I sincerely don't get it. And... I don't understand where it where it's come from because when we did an interview in 2000, I'm sure you don't remember this. It'd be weird if you did. Um, you were still catching, and uh, and I said the fan base wanted. I said to the fan base, "Who would you like me to interview for TV?" And like you won like in a landslide, Mike Matheny. You were the guy on a roster full of you know all stars and some you know monster bats in that lineup. And now it's kind of like Mike Matheny is still the Cardinal guy, but, oh, well, Matheny's keeping us from this or that. And I go, but they went to the playoffs the first four years, and they were in the mix in 16 and 17. And I'm like, God, I've become apologist guy. But I'm not a rights holder, as Joe Strauss, may he rest in peace, used to say. You know, I'm just calling it kind of how I see it. And I know some people are going to listen to this and go, God, you sucked up, but this is how I honestly feel. So, you know, you as you said, you hear the noise. I feel like it's... I feel like, in a sense, it's misguided. And, and I think my first my first statement would be, is, as you say, you don't understand. Um, no, I do. And go back to that 2000 season. And I remember I was, uh, I was sitting on the bench in Old Bush. And I look up, and there's a uh, plane flying over Old Bush dragging a tail sign that's saying, Fire Tony. And I remember I, I, was, I was dumbfounded. Um, we were playing okay. I think we we're going through a little bit of a rut, but uh, you know, people had kind of some people had their mind made up on him. And I remember at the time thinking, this guy's one of the 
best managers in the history of the game. Um, and, you know, it's us not playing real well right now. I don't get it. And just kind of watched that over time. And I, and I just realized that, and, and I, I know Tony realized too, that's just part of the gig. And so the day that I signed up for this, Tim, um, kind of knew this was going to happen. So, yeah, I get reminded. You know, I'm, I was the other day, we were at breakfast and uh, I'm walking out and I hold the door for a lady. And uh, an elderly lady and, and her husband was with her, and she looked up, and I had my daughter with me. And uh, the lady um, goes, "That guy looks familiar." And the guy just pushed her along and said, "Keep moving. That's that loser." Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I thought I had to grab my daughter. She was going to go run him down, but uh, <laughs> it, but you know, um, it, it it that that it makes me laugh at times. Um, you know, I don't think anybody goes out there and there are very few people in the world that just don't care right so I, if if you start to have this conversation and i'd say a very small portion of our population could could truly not care when they got people that are riding them or people that don't like how right. they do how they're doing their job and but it goes hand in hand i think with this job and especially and in a passionate fan base like this. So the the way that it's kind of made sense to me, Tim, is the fact that uh, I realize um, when you have that kind of passionate fan base that, that invests so much at their number one commodity, which is their time, how much time they put into this team. They think about it all through the hot stove season, then all the way through the spring, and then for 162, they grind with us every single day, and they've got their ideas. And that's part of the part of the, the situation, too, is we have such an educated fan base that they have their own unique and individual uh, thoughts and, and ideas of how things should go. Um, there's so much information out there right now. You can get on a number of different websites and grab all the analytics that you want that can give you and arm you for making decisions. And that's where they get enjoyment. They get enjoyment about following the game to that level. And then when it doesn't work or when a decision's made that doesn't line up with a, with a lot of time, invested in and, and education, um, there's going to be some angst, right? And, mm-hmm. and there's usually only one target for that. So to that point, I get it. And, you know, the, the, the good thing about it, um, Claiborne always gives me a hard time about talking about my job description. Um, but I think it's always good for us to go back and, and, and okay, what do I do and why? Um, my job is to go out and try and keep a group together and, and to lead and challenge and encourage um, to, to take darts whenever they do come, uh, deserved or not, um, and, and to bring people and help this group of people and these really special group of athletes get to a level that they normally wouldn't be able to get to on their own. Yeah. So when I get back to that, um, it really kind of blurs out all the other noise. Um, if I can look at myself in the mirror every day and, and realize, did, did I prepare? Uh, was I truthful and honest with these guys? And did I represent them and the organization and the game in a way um, that I can be proud of? Then, then um, to have some of that, that noise, some of the negativity, um, it's just going to be part of what we do. And it doesn't... Um, it doesn't linger long once it does hit me, but it hits me just yeah. like it hits everybody sure, else. Absolutely. You know, I was talking with uh, what Edmonds and I would do the radio show for about a year and a half, and I would ask him about it like a game it would be in April. And he goes, well, you know, we'll see what happens in October. And I go, well, we still got six months of shows to do here between now and then. But in his mindset, he goes, there's so much time. And then I would say, well, why do you think this happened? Well, I'm not down there and I'm not in the clubhouse. And unless you're in there, you really don't know. 
And as I've learned, that's the reality. But I'm talking about just from operating a business. Sometimes I've got to fall on a sword. And in reality, I know what happened. But if I say, well, this happened and this guy did this, then I'm the bad guy for throwing him under the bus. And you're in that spot. And I never I feel like I'm a bad sports talk radio host now, maybe worse than I was before, because I now go, there's probably something we don't know and they can't say. But they're not going to say it no matter how. So you got to protect your guys, because if you don't, then they'll be like, Mike threw me under the bus. Yeah. Publicly, no, that and that that can't happen. Um, and so, you know, I think you, you you're understanding of the point, and you're exactly right. Um, but we're only given, you know, I only give so much to the paper, and so it, it, some of it has to come back because I didn't give them the whole story because I can't, right? And when it's when I'm, I, I truly care about these guys too, and um, and it's kind of tough because you do see some guys you talk about how much you care about them, and next thing you know they're in a different city playing for a different club, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. But while they're under uh, our care, um, man, I want to see them all thrive and, and try to figure out ways. I, I look forward to those opportunities of of wearing one for them, mm-hmm. um, and you know. It, it is going to come around, and, and you hope that it it'll. If the only give back you get is, is to earn some of their respect, then man, I think you you've done well. Um, but you know that doesn't even always happen. You're not guaranteed that happens when you do fall on the sword for the guys. But that's that's really part of the job. It's something you shouldn't even be really uh, applauded for because you're just going about your business, um, trying to figure out a way to make people better. And it, just, it comes down to to simply um, getting the most out of the players and creating an atmosphere where they can shine. Yeah, Edmonds also said he came out after this maybe a couple of years ago. And he goes, have you ever heard Matheny talk? I go, yeah, I've talked to him for a long time. He goes, no, but like speak. He goes, he can speak. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> and I go, really? He goes, I don't know. I don't know what that's all about. He said, but like the speech, I guess like the before the guys take the field as a group for the first time, you're in there. I don't know, Newt Rockneying it, I guess. I don't know. I can't see in there. I know I'm not going to be invited, but <laughs> I guess that you have some oratory skills. And as you're talking here, I'm sure people who see you on the Fox Sports Midwest, you've made reference to like your deadpan delivery on Fox Sports. <laughs> They're going, who is this guy? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, Tony, um, he told me not too long after I got the job, he goes, you know, everybody used to give me a hard time about my post game and he goes after i watch mike do it a couple i feel i feel like johnny carson <laughs> so, but uh yeah but I, going back to that i mean it truly is um and i've i've apologized when i get a chance to speak to big groups of cardinal fans i apologize for the post game show but i want to tell you i i walk i walk in there and i'm consciously thinking about um, making sure that i, I don't say something that's going to hurt my club and that's and i can't uh try and be witty or try and uh, be uh, be cool or uh, try and win people over and still protect our guys at the same time. I'm not talented enough to do that. Um, so I, I'm going to go the road where I know I'm going to, I'm going to try and give our team the best chance that we can. As far as the other speaking, you know, I, I enjoy uh, speaking. So I do, I was in Illinois the last two days speaking at some different functions where there were Cardinal fans and um, it, it's something that I think is kind of maybe a natural carryover for a coach, which you know, I just don't think um, enough coaches take advantage of the voice and the platform that we have. And to me, it's usually revolved around sport. Uh, it's revolved around our organization, and it's also revolved around baseball at its grassroots level. It's a passion of mine to, to try and challenge and encourage young coaches to realize, you know, one of the great statements is, you know, one coach can can impact more kids in a year than most people do in a lifetime. And so if you have something to say and it's positive and, and you feel like it's, it's unique, um, 
not everybody's necessarily going to agree with it, but I think I think you need to take advantage of it if you feel led that way. And I've felt led that way, so I've I've been able to speak quite a few times. Um, and then the one in spring training, I spend all winter thinking about the previous season. I spend all winter thinking about where we came short. I spend all winter, um, yes, taking a pulse of, of what's out there. Um, what's the opinion of what we're doing? What's the opinion of what we've done? Uh, what do people expect us to do and what people don't expect us to do? To have an overall pulse to get in front of the club and say, listen, everybody's going to have to have their own motivation of, of what makes them go, but here's where I think we are. Here's where I think we need to be. Here's some of the things that have gotten in the way of us getting there. How can we fix it? And how can we go get better? And making sure, too, as I got a room full of kids, and, and a lot of them are young players, you know, some of these teenagers, right, and some kids in their early 20s. Um, and I think they need to hear from me before they go on to their minor league team to know this, this, is, this is kind of the conversations that we're having and what's important, what it should look like to be a St. Louis Cardinal. And, you know, I, I said it even at the writer's dinner. I mean, our – our history is so intimidating with with the names and with the successes and the titles um, and the expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, is where we have to start. Is This is what it should look like to be in this jersey. You are in this jersey right now. So as we get going in this spring training and as you go through your career, here, here's some things that you might need to consider. And so I feel like that's my job uh, early in spring training to set the tone um, of what what has gone on before us that should be driving us for what it should look like as we move into this season. You, you mentioned earlier on your faith and how that guides you throughout you know every day of your life, I would imagine, but you mentioned it as, as a manager. How... How important is that on the day-to-day when you're in the Cardinal office? I mean, it's part of your life every day, of course, but it's something that, you know, you wear with, with great pride. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, it's never disconnected. I mean, it's always a part of every um, decision. Um personally and, and, and even professionally, am I, am I making the right decision? And um, with that being said, though, um, I, that's not something that I've ever felt led that I go share um, unless I've been, that's a conversation I've been invited into. And I believe that it has to work that way. Uh, I've never gone in kicking in the door to, to jam my faith down somebody's throat. Um, but uh, absolutely, uh, I, it is uh, the center of who I am. And so uh, that's something I'm not going to apologize for. So it's a part of the decisions that I make now. It has nothing to do with bunts and hit and runs and so <laughs> pitching changes, but uh, how I treat people. Um, and, and I want that accountability, too, as I go out. Because um, these guys truly, they're going to see, right? They're going to see through what you can get up in, in front of big crowds and say whatever you want to say all day long and beat your chest. But when you're around a group of guys almost every single day for nine months straight, they're going to see what you're truly made of. And so that, to me, is a group that I want to serve well. And I keep saying that, serve, because that's truly what I think my role is. It's, it's, a, it's a servant role to where how can we, like a customer service, same same idea, is how can we go out and provide something for these guys to where um, they make the most of what they have. Mm-hmm. And to me, um, I can't separate that from the core of who I am. Were you all, were you, were you raised uh, like I grew up Catholic and I've kind of gotten away from it, you know, but I have a great deal of respect for those who are passionate about their faith and also agnostic, whatever the case might be. Were you raised 
were you was the church always part? Was this a, a something that you found in young adulthood? How how did your faith? Yeah, raised in a, in a strong Christian home. Okay, um, to the point where you know, like a lot of kids, you get a little freedom and. Um, you want to figure it out for yourself. And, and that's when it became real for me, but that wasn't until I was away from home, but had uh, parents that led a great example. And, um, yeah, fortunate that I I was able to go figure out for myself, uh, without making too many stupid decisions and, um, you know, continue to try and live life that way without making too many stupid decisions. But, uh, (laughs) but, but overall, um, yeah, it was, you know, when I went off to college and like most kids, you get a chance to see if that freedom's everything that's cracked up to be. And I found not so much and, um, opportunity for me to go and, and get real with what I truly believed. And we're in a position in college what captain in high school of both the football and baseball team? Am I correct on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, Tim did research. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, did, I hadn't. I hadn't been asked about high school in a long time. I forgot we're in St. Louis. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the answer is St. Louis U High. By the way, if you were about to ask, but but my point being, leadership has been something. Your faith has been something. You know, 47 right, right. now, yeah. but it's been something that's going on since you were. A teenager, and when you were playing here, I remember the guys on the team. They go, "Man, Matheny's just like I'd say, who's like who's the leader in the clubhouse?" And they'd say, "God, like Matheny and Woody Williams." And I'd go, "God, I because mean, just because is you you know you're not the guy that's going to be out there, you're not the guy hitting 35 home runs, but I guess it was the manner with which you carried yourself that guys on those teams turned to you as the leader. Same thing with your former teammate Woody Williams. Yeah, I think you know that couldn't couldn't get better compliments than from your teammates to say that. I I talk to people a lot about um, that that topic of leadership and what really makes the difference. And um, you know, I look at the previous generation and I ask them all the time, like you didn't. I take polls and it's amazing how many of them talked about Willie McGee. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, a great player. But there's some other great players on that team as well. And during during that era, and you know, something that it keeps coming down to, and something I know Woody would um, be just as proud that he was in this conversation is the fact that you know I I do think it's how you go about treating people. I think how you treat people really matters. And um, and if guys saw something while we were playing, I think what they may have seen is those few glimpses when we'd get it right, and it wasn't really about me. And same way with Woody. That's how, that's how Woody impacted me. That's how Pat Hankin impacted me. That's how Daryl Kyle impacted me. Those were some of the, the key investors into my life uh, as a baseball player. But those were guys who they weren't just so caught up in themselves and, and in their own career that, that they looked past the other people. And I tell, the, I tell our guys this nonstop, speaking about that, that meeting I'm going to have with our, our club, you mm-hmm. know, one of the, the secrets to some of the sustained success, uh, some of the sustained excellence inside this organization, is I've seen more selfless players on on this in this organization, and and I think they've they've learned that a couple ways. I think somebody gave that to them one, um, and they watched a guy who probably you were going to take their job he would still invest into you um, and what that did for them so they want to give that back. And the other part is they know that's part of winning, and you want to help a team. Help their uh, teams out. We're all looking for an edge, right? Um, what can we do that's going to separate us from from everybody else when the talent gap is so similar, position by position, all the way through the game? There's great equality in this game, talent wise. So, what can we do internally? And one of those things is when guys somehow create an atmosphere where they make each other better. And I got enough of that from people investing into me that when when you get it right, 
it, it is, it's a multiplier. I think you multiply your chances of success. And I've seen some of our best players do that um, consistently. And I can't say that in other organizations as mm-hmm. much. And so I think that was probably the the crux of why somebody might have said that and, and it's and it was really about me giving back what was given to me and invest into people how they invested in me. Yeah. Well it's carried over now into the managerial career. Entering your seventh season of all of the nights, was there one there has to be one. There might be a lot. There might be a hundred where you were like, I can't sleep because of of what just took place in a game. Was is there one that, that stands out? Um, not not as much as uh, of a game decision, um, and the ones where I haven't slept are people decisions. Um, something that I did that that may have affected one of our players that most people you know nobody had ever even heard of, um, and those sort of things. You when you try and do the right thing, or where you're trying to motivate, or where you're trying to push somebody, or whether you're just calling somebody out and end up being wrong, which I've been. Um, you know, even times when you have to make those tough decisions to, to let guys go or send them to AAA, um, those are the ones that rock me, which I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm happy that's that's the case. Um, most of the baseball decisions, uh, you know, there's plenty that, I'm, you know, I know didn't work out right. And I took a chance and I went against the odds and the numbers, um, but trusted my gut and my gut was wrong. There's, plenty of times where it was the opposite too um but the times where it doesn't work i do feel like i've let my guys down but i i, I know deep down um they realize how that i prepared they realize that i care uh, they realize that i'm constantly pushing the needle forward and trying to learn to be better whether uh strategy wise whether it's analytics um and, and uh when when you know that you've covered your bases like that and you're doing it with the right uh, motive and purpose um i sleep I sleep really well, and probably some of the decisions that, that you would that would come to your mind um, are ones that probably didn't keep me up as much as some of the ones that were behind the scenes that uh, I dropped the ball and, 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 and treating the guys the way I needed to. So then on the other side, what has been the moment so far where you go, oh, that was, that was the best feeling? Yeah, I think it's those, um, man, it's, it's those persistent just dig in and grind fight moments um probably the the one that uh, you know because i get this question more than the other um so I, i've kind of got a preloaded answer because i've thought about it because i've been asked that question so many times but that game five against the nationals when we were down six nothing yeah. um that was one of those times where i i mean it they're not that much younger than me where I can sit there and call them my kids. Some of them are now, but um, I mean, I'm so proud to sit there and watch. And as we're down 6 nothing, and we're about to be knocked out of the postseason and watching a, a stadium full of national fans that have already wrapped it up. And I watch, you know, I have to go make the decision to get Wayno out of the game, which, you know, just hate doing that to him, but it wasn't getting any better. And then to watch how he responded, going into the clubhouse, changing clothes and, and putting on his cheerleader outfit and standing on the top shelf. And I'll never forget that game. And uh, that's one that sticks out in my mind because that was heart. Yes, talent. Um, 
a lot of things had to happen right, but more than anything else, this, this was a bunch of guys that willed themselves to, to not be defeated. And um, that's priceless stuff to me. When I, when I see people bond together to do something outrageous um, and, and in support of each other and, and how they locked arms and said, this is not going to happen now, that to me, uh, that, that's the stuff that fires me up. When you talk about when I get up in front of the team, that, to me, that, that's, a, that's a trait that you cannot lose. Uh, that's another one of those edges that I was talking about when you know, guys helping each other out, but having that, you are not going to beat me. Um, when I watch that come through, that's priceless stuff to me. And to see it at this level, um, just unforgettable. Yeah, that's as good as it gets. I mean, to have that less than a year after David Freeze in Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, and then you have a comeback like that, that would be enough for an organization for like a generation. But you had that, you know, I realize you weren't on the roster as a manager in 2011, but to have that kind of comeback, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, and you can see in the dugout what was going on, what Carpenter was getting everybody fired up. and everybody, yeah. I mean... Wow! <laughs> yeah, it, it was Carp. Um, was it, was it, it was Carp? Chris that was going up and down, and I mean, it was like uh, <laughs> it, it, it's hard to put into words. But I, I remember him continuing saying, "You just keep playing, and this is going to be epic." He kept dropping "epic" because people aren't going to forget about this game. It'll be epic. You just keep playing this game. We got them on the ropes. I mean, that stuff. Oh like as I say it, I feel myself getting fired up. And I mean, it was every none of us had voices after that game because we're all everyone's screaming at each other. I mean, it's, it was more that football mentality that you don't typically use up during a major league season but i want to tell you that that is a trait that i believe has stuck with this team look at our club last year right that that's a team that never quit i mean think about how many games that we were we were out of i mean we shouldn't have even been in and next thing you know we are it's it's at the end of the game and we're right there Mm -hmm. and we fought and fought this team has some of that that toughness that i think is a rare commodity and uh, i think it's it's part uh, part dna i I, but i think it's it's been altered over time that this is how we play and i always give credit um to our leadership when you talk about some of those key components that are always in place right Mm -hmm. when from the beginning i walked into a great situation in fact yeah the team just won the world series but tony left with he left me with a carpenter a chris carpenter and and then a wayno and then a holiday and of course yachty and two of those guys are, are still passing on some of those traits um it's priceless and if there's one quality that that would separate from any other it's it's not just the the experience but the expectation of what it should look like when a team's winning you're ready to go you're ready to go for 2018 aren't you (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i love i love doing what i do I, i and once again um you know, one frustration I have in the game right now is how much is put on the managers, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, looking at this past postseason, right, and, the, and even into the World Series, everything was about, you know, is he going to pull him here? And, mm-hmm. and, and I think the eyes got off of what these guys are doing incredible things out there, right? Let's. If more focus could be on the talent that's on the field instead of the decisions that are being made, not that I'm looking for anybody to kind of get us off the hook. It just seems like there's uh, an unequal amount of of attention being put on this position yeah. right now, and it's taken away from what these guys are doing on the field. Um, that that's kind of uh, a state of the game that I see right now. But in general, um, I, I love I love doing what I do, and. I, 
because when we do get it right, it is about the players. It's not about us. Uh, we are, you know, that interior lineman or I was, yeah. you know, the, the catching position, I think, you know, I think that that's kind of how I was brought up and people were probably surprised. And I'm sure you were surprised, as you said, when they were asking you about that 2000 era yeah. team. Um, I mean, I, I'd rather be the guy that's kind of sitting in, in the back. I want to do my part and I want to help, but I, I, I don't necessarily need the light. And, um, and that's truly, I think, is what a coach, how a coach should be wired. Yeah, I think that kind of mentality, though, fires up a group of guys. And my guess is, I could be wrong on this, but I would guess that your guys are going to be pretty fired up to go, you know, we're still here. Oh, I, you know, and I, I don't, I don't claim myself to be a fighter, um, but I get fired up. And um, if you don't, uh, you probably aren't going to stick around this game very long. But there are things I want to fight for. Um, fight for doing what's right. Yeah, but I want to fight for my guys. I want to fight with my guys. I want to um, fight to, to to put a good product out there because that's what we signed up to do. You know, and there's no part of us that's content with just competing. There's there's no part of us that's content with uh, just being middle of the pack or or any anything else anybody wants to put on us um man we we are striving to to be beyond what anybody would expect us to be and i think it comes down to us individually and i think it comes down to us collectively but uh i I, part of my job is is to continue just on some of those days right when it's a little tougher to show up to work and believe it or not it does feel like work sometimes to everybody you show up to anything every single day or 21 days in a row um and there's days that you got to push and those are the days where i look for a great opportunity and I, our staff does an incredible job of of going around and figuring out how to encourage guys because that encouragement produces some energy and that increases some some enthusiasm and then we get out in front of our fan base uh, which is electric every single night uh, and it, it helps our odds and uh, when those days that, that are a little tougher and you find something even it's very rarely is that Newt Rockney thing, by the way. I mean, very, very rarely. Um, but every once in a while, just a little nudge to a guy in private, right? Um, and you can see how that then uh, starts to influence another guy and how that might impact a, a group of people that are watching. And then and then watch how you push through some of those hard times. You know, that's um, that's beyond words for me of, of uh, how satisfying that is to be a part of. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you so much for doing it. I enjoyed it, and uh, I guess I won't be harassing you for an interview for a while. No, <laughs> no, but we, we got to plug the chess club here that uh, opened yeah, up their doors. Yeah, so, so you're a chess guy, I assume, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, is that fair to say you're a chess guy? No, I am. Yeah. Uh, but the, the reason it wasn't like I grew up some you know chess prodigy. Um, you know, after the last concussion, I just started researching everything, and um, one of the things they said that to help people ah. help people. Re, uh, recover from some of the damage that can be long term. Um, one is learn a new language. The other is learn a new instrument. And third was play chess. And so I went and bought a chessboard. And so I've been, I'll play, um, not as fanatically as the people around here at the chess club. Um, but I'll even, uh, all season long, I'll set up online a board and it's called tactics where I'll set up a board. I'll try to find what the right solution is, but, uh, I, I still, and I, you know, kicked in more Spanish and I went and bought a guitar. So I wanted to make sure I was, well, no, that was just covering my bases. (laughs) Oh, just uh, picking all three. (laughs) Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I remember my name. Like sit by yourself and play 
stairway or something? Or uh, <laughs> no, but I do. I take the guitar on the road, but yeah, yeah but not necessarily because I'm good. But once again, I think yeah, there there are plenty of studies, and you know that that's that uh, concussion thing was spooky. I would have. And, uh, that, do, you, do you ever do you have symptoms still? None. But, none. Wow. But there was but uh, there was no way we could have. Well, you don't get hit in the head much, right? I mean, you keep your wife happy, and uh, <laughs> you don't get hit in the head really much at all in normal life. Right. And um, and I that and you just don't have to wear a cup in real life either. Big differences once <laughs> once baseball's playing is over. But um, no, I, I don't have any ramifications. But there's plenty of studies that show that I'm at an increased risk. So if there's something that I can do, um, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to keep playing chess and I'm going to keep picking at the guitar even though it's not good. My kids think I'm all right. So I'll let uh, do that. You play for the, the family. You gather. Oh, around? that's that's my only audience. That's really? the only ones that get to hear me play. But uh, sometimes a couple of coaches on the road. Um, but uh, no, it's it's more serious. It is truly. Um, it's not just psychotherapy, but I believe it's it's healing of the brain. Oh, that's super cool. And I'm a poker guy. You ever play poker? You probably don't play poker. No, I not assume. not a lot of poker. Not a lot of poker. Yeah, you can only have so many habits. Yeah, right? well, you get your guitar so, now. Now yeah. you're speaking Spanish, and now you're also playing chess. Yeah, well, Spanish was uh, from college. Oh, you, had, you so you had been speaking that because I see you, you busted out every once in a while. I'm like, wow, this guy yeah. got the job, and he's going to learn Spanish, which I would think managers are probably going to have to do more and more of i was fortunate um bill freehand longtime catcher for the tigers was my college coach came in my sophomore year and he brought me in a week before classes started and brought in uh my academic advisor and said i just uh, by, i'm bill nice to meet you by the way all of your electives are now spanish and uh he ah. said he said i've watched you play i think you got a chance to to continue to play or coach someday it was pretty prophetic um but he said uh, you're going to need you're going to the Spanish, so get rid of basket weaving. And, um, so, I, so at that point, I, I had to take all Spanish, which it was brilliant on his part. So I ended. Um, Michigan didn't offer a minor, but I had a concentration in Spanish when I left, and I'd kind of worked on it ever since. That's a huge thing. It's a huge I, I mean, thing. it's got to be a great thing. I mean, huge. it's a great thing in general. Yeah. But to have that as a baseball manager, yeah, in our in our sport, and it's fun because we'll take uh, try to take a group down every year to the Dominican Republic group of kids, yeah. and so um, I'll do a lot of the translating for them and be able to kind of survive. I don't speak it as well as I should. Something, you know, like Carlos has been my teacher here the last few years. So um, he gives me some lessons. I'll give him some English lessons. And um, whatever young Latin player we bring in, I think there's a little bit of a comforting factor yeah. knowing that I have, you know, respect sure. respect for their culture Absolutely. and have a little understanding of their language. You know, when Sierra came up last year, you know, he could survive with with uh, English. But when the heat got turned on, he really needed to say something. It needed to be in Spanish. And so it was nice to be able to to at least have that conversation you know i was thinking as we're sitting here i haven't seen you ever i don't think you get heated on the field but instant replay kind of takes away like what you used to have with like earl weaver out there you know on lou pinella so you don't get but the angriest i think I, i can recall you being is when you were doing a show for inside stl and accidentally i want this clear accidentally the commercial for the smaller person smaller than me smaller person who is going to be performing in Western Illinois aired during your show with Mabry, and you thought that I had somehow snuck a breaking ball by and snuck that. And I want that on the record that I did not know that that spot was going. I got your text. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Of all of the commercials. Of all of the commercials. And I'm like, Mike, I had nothing to do with it. I'm sure you're like, this guy, I knew he'd do it. I didn't do it. I want it on the record. Got it. <laughs> you still don't believe me. All right. I have enjoyed this a great deal. Thank you so much for the time, Mike. My pleasure, Tom. Right. Thank you.
So there he is, the Cardinal manager, Mike Matheny, with us on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Always welcome your feedback. I love having email exchanges with our listeners, so please don't hesitate to email me at tmckernan at InsideSTL.com. If you write uh, a a monster email, I, I will read it. I assure you, I really do. I legitimately enjoy reading them. Uh, just understand there's a good chance that the volume that I respond with might not be uh, the, the same number of words. But nonetheless, I really do enjoy whether it be uh, positive feedback, but also constructive criticism. Uh, I, I truly do enjoy it. So I'm curious what people think of our interview with Mike Matheny and also uh, our past interviews. If you've not listened to our previous interviews, there is a vault of interviews on the Inside STL podcast network. Uh, certainly Cardinal-themed interviews, but also Missouri Tiger interviews and Blues interviews and Rams interviews and St. Louis and Missouri politics interviews. They're all there on the Inside STL Podcast Network and the Tim McKernan Show. So if you could subscribe and these pop into your phone every Monday as we have a new interview every Monday and then a questions from the audience where the listeners submit questions and we answer them every Thursday. And you can listen to them whenever you want. They're evergreen and they're there for your listening pleasure. Thank you to the HomeLoanExpert.com for making the podcast possible by sponsoring the studios on the show. Thank you to Gateway Buick GMC at I-270 McDonald Boulevard. Online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. My wife gets her cars from there. I get my cars from there. I recommend you get your cars from there. I-270 McDonald Boulevard online at stlouisbuickgmc.com. Whether it's a new, pre-owned, or to get your car serviced, go to Gateway Buick GMC, I-270 and McDonald Boulevard. Plus, we have Triad Bank as a great sponsor. And also, we, of course, have James Carlton, James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Nick Yale, our videographer. Thank you to John Seymour, the executive producer. And thank you to Mike Matheny for sitting down for the conversation. And thank you to you, the listener, for continuing to support our podcast. Please continue to support our sponsors. And we'll look forward to bringing you another edition next week of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 23.